Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, whole lot of crime. With Kaylin and Elena. Hi there. Hi again. <sighs> Back to Rhode Island, Back baby. Back to Rhode Island. Still sick as a dog over here. Yeah, so for as few murders and things as we were able to find, like I said, the one we did with the ones we did are doozies. Yes. Because I'm still traumatized by my case. Yeah. I really am. So mine is traumatizing in a different way. Okay. So it's not Yeah, it's not okay. quite it's not quite with yours, but it's still pretty it's still pretty good. Okay. It's also not going to make you very happy especially within the first couple of sentences. Oh, really? Yes. Is the ending going to satisfy me? Maybe. Eh. I don't like it. Eh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, in May of 1975, okay. Five-year-old Jason Foreman had been out playing with his siblings and a group of friends, and he was done playing, because you know five-year-olds are so, they get done like that. Right. (laughs) Once they're done, they're done. They're done. So he tells his his brother and his sister and their friends that, like, I'm going home. Okay. And they watch him run down the hill, and at the bottom of the hill is like a fire station, and their house is very close to this fire station. Okay. So that was the last time they see him is running down the hill to the fire station, and he's he's going home. Right. And he that fire station was no more than thirty yards from his house. Okay. So very close. Yeah. And, and again, it's nineteen seventy five. This is what you, I honestly I used to wander all over. At the age of five, like my mom used to give me checks to go t- to the bank, t- you know, and I'd walk downtown to the <laughs> bank and I, and it was yeah. normal. Yeah. So Jason's mother, Joyce, last heard her son's laughter through an open window at approximately 3.30 in the afternoon. Aww. But after that, he disappears. So he made it home. Right? He made it near his home. house. Because she, close enough, mom could hear him. Yes. Through the window. Yes. Oh. And to make matters worse, it was her 25th birthday. Oh, no. And her baby disappears. And he's dead. Now, Jason's disappearance went unsolved until April of 1982. Oh, my God. So that would be seven years. Now... To me, can I just stop you too? Like, as god-awful as it would be to have your baby murdered, you know, to me... Not knowing is almost worse. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe not for everybody, but no, I, I just, would agree. yeah, I, there's something, even when it's so freaking horrific, there's something about knowing the closure. You get, yeah. you get the closure, you know, because I think yeah. when they're missing and you don't have any answers, yeah. You still try to keep that tiny bit of hope. That's in your just mind. what I was going to say. You're still you're still swinging between despair and hope. Yes. Whereas once you know the worst, or you know, yeah, if you can't have the happy ending, you know, to know the worst, you can just give yourself over to the grief and the. Do you know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not sitting there like maybe he can, maybe yeah. he'll come home. Maybe he'll come home. Instead, you're like, well, this happened, and I'll deal with it how I deal yeah. with it. I agree with you there. So, in April of 1982, a 14-year-old paper boy named Dale Sherman went home and told his father about 
24-year-old Michael Woodmancy. He told his father that Michael lured him into his house. And this was in 1982? Yes. Okay. He fed him a bunch of alcohol and then attempted to strangle him. Oh, my God. Now, Michael failed. And Obviously. Dale got away, went home, told his dad. How did he get away? Do we know? Did he fight him off? Or? It's not really specified. Okay. But I assume he fought him off, ran home. Okay. And Jesus, they all live in, it's, they're all close together. Okay. So, so like my case, he's Michael in the can neighborhood. see the Sherman's house from his house. Mm. And so Dale runs home, tells his dad everything and reasonably pissed off. His father goes to Michael's house. Of course. And punches him and then goes home, calls cops. <laughs> right i i kind of like this dad i I, I agree i I think it would be very very difficult not to do something like that so he calls the police the police come dale's father tells the police what dale had told them and then when they go to leave the sherman's home michael sees the police at their house and decides that it would be a good idea to flag a policeman over to his house to complain about Dale's father punching him. Ah, okay. So he didn't call the cops himself to say, hey, this dude came over and assaulted me. He waits until he sees, oh, they called the cops. Better cover my butt. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, fucking douche. Yeah. Why do you think that you are going to get away with almost killing a child? And he's 24 at this time. Yes. And this is seven years later. Yes. Ugh. So I see where this is going. So the cops are basically like, we need you to come down to the station. We've got some questions. So Rhode Island doesn't have many, but it starts them young, apparently. Apparently. So he brings them down to the to the station. They start questioning him. And the police start getting little tidbits of things that kind of hint to them, like, maybe this is not his first attack. Yeah. So seven years after Jason Foreman disappears, his fate will have been discovered. Jason had been sexually assaulted, stabbed in the heart, (gasps) and placed in a trunk. Now, Michael confessed to the murder of the five-year-old, and he told police that when they search his bedroom, they will find a journal. But he also made sure to tell them that everything in that journal is strictly fiction. Uh-huh. Sure it is. Bullshit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Again, you're a bad liar is what yeah. this comes down to. So. Ugh, but oh my God, how horrible. So police go search his bedroom and atop of Michael's dresser is a box. They open the box, and inside were Jason's shackled bones, his arms, his legs. It says a small jaw, a few spine and rib bones, and his skull. So, which, he was dismembered. So, his jaw was still connected to his body, but the rest of his skull had been taken off. Oh, my God. His limbs had been dismembered. So, had he done something to the body like i mean you know what i'm saying to remove the 
flesh and we'll, we'll get oh there. Oh god, this is horrible. And the bones had been washed and finished for display. And Michael basically treated his bones as trophies. And next to the box was the journal that he had told the police about. <sighs> now the full contents of the journal were never released. Because I'm sure they're so god awful. Yes. But Jason's sister did an interview in 2011 where she was able to describe some of what was in the journal. So she says, Michael. And I'm assuming that these were the parts of the journal that were used at trial. Is that how she had I access? I think that. So we'll, we'll get into okay. that in a minute. Oh my God. This case is. I'm already just. No. So Michael dismembered, she says, Michael dismembered my brother limb by limb. Soon after, he was eating my brother's flesh like the animal he was. Holy hell. And so he was 17, 16, 16 when he did this. Yes. Jesus. Then she says, he was much worse than an animal. Animals kill to eat, to suit a need. Michael killed for pure sport. Michael killed just because he could. And babies, like little tiny kids. She then went on and said, this deranged killer murdered my baby brother. And as he watched him die, he scribbled notes in his journal. It was a how-to book on murder. Ugh. So Jason's sister, Raven, was only 10 years old when her brother had been murdered and said that within hours of killing Jason, Michael had boiled his body parts to speed up the process to remove the flesh from the bones. To cannibalize someone. Where the hell were his parents? Like so how real. How are you freaking dismembering and boiling a five-year-old in your house? I'm assuming in his house. Yeah, like, where else would he have done it? What the hell? Yeah. But a lot of these details we'll never know because a lot of the details are in the mm -hmm. journal and we'll get more into that. She, so within hours of killing Jason, Michael had boiled his body parts to speed up the process of removing the flesh from the bones to cannibalize someone for the sake of wondering what it's like. To me, that is more demented than the thought of killing someone, which is true. Like, yeah. I'm going to kill somebody so I can eat them just so I know what it's, just so uh, I know what yeah. the experience uh, is. Like, no. So she also went on in this interview to talk about what the disappearance of her little brother did to their family, which you can only imagine what it does. Yeah. And I think, honey, you said the mom, it was her 25th birthday. Must have been her 35th because the daughter was 10. 10. I doubt I she mean, she could have had a... Daughter of 15. In 1970, maybe, but I, I'm going to say she was 35. Maybe. Okay. You might be right there. So she said, we'd been torn apart. My father became an alcoholic and my mother became depressed and they both suffered from mood, mood swings, which I know that there's, I don't know the exact statistics, but a large majority of people who, couples who lose a child to either death or disappearance Almost always end in divorce. Yes, yes, because that's true. usually they blame each other or they blame mm -hmm. themselves, and then it gets crazy. Or just the depression, and yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of PTSD and things mm -hmm. like that. Well, the prosecutors agreed to a plea bargain to spare the family any more grim details of and the trauma their, of a trial. 
Well, yeah. And by the way, there's no fucking way. There's no way that these two were his only victims either. There's no way. No way. But we don't. That's all we have the information of because to avoid the trial and all of the grisly details being put out there for everyone to know, the journal was sealed. Okay. Completely. And now the family did get some details before they sealed the journal, which is how she knows what she knows. Right. But because of this plea deal, that meant that the charges for cannibalism were not able to come up in trial because the evidence was in the journal that had been sealed that they could no longer well, use Well, and trial. didn't we also talk about that it's not even technically illegal in most, like I think, I think we even talked about with my Colorado case, mm -hmm. right? Idaho is the only state that has a law expressly forbidding it, right? You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't even be prosecuted for it. True. In and of itself. So, that is strange. I wonder if it used to be, if in this time it was illegal and then they were like, this is pointless. Well, they would have had to go back and, you know, remove those. I think, I honestly, I, I think I said this again in our, when I was talking about mm -hmm. the uh, Alfred Packer case. I think most states just figure, I mean, it, that is such an extreme taboo. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that I really, do, truly believe that most people have been like, why would we ever... It doesn't even cross people's mind that yeah. you need to outlaw it, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> mm. by the end of the trial, Michael had taken a plea deal. He pled guilty to second-degree murder. <sighs> You're, how, how long do you think he was sentenced oh for? Oh, my God. I This is where I'm going to break something. How long do you think he was sentenced for? 30 years. 40 and ridiculous, but but that makes him eligible for parole in what, like 20? So, in early 2011, word hit that Michael could be released early. And no one seemed to take this very well, clearly. No, like seriously, I want to punch something right now. It'll, you'll, you'll get a little less angry. Okay, because they better have pulled some Craig Price shit to keep him in. That's all I'm saying. So when the talk of Michael being released early, when that hit the media, Jason's family fucking lost it. Oh, I would have too. Um, his father actually said in an interview. If he gets out, I'm going to kill him. Yes. Good. Exactly. That's exactly what I would have said too. He said, if he, if Michael gets out, he's got, if he gets himself out in an early release, what did he say? His exact words were. If, there, if this man is released anywhere in my vicinity, or if I can find him after the fact, I do intend to kill this man. Good for you, dude. I mean, honestly, oh God, listen to me. I'm all about, no, we need rule of law. And, blah, blah, blah. and you're like, no, no, kill him. Vigilante him. I don't care. <laughs> I'll help you. So Jason's sister, Raven, said, the thought is terrifying. How can this man be let back out on the street? What if he thinks about killing again? With Michael, thoughts are dangerous. He doesn't see the world in the same colors as normal people. Nobody wants him on the streets, and to be honest, he won't be safe on them. My family and the whole state of Rhode Island are rallying to keep this maniac behind bars, but legally, there's little we can do. <sighs> Why did they let him plead to second degree? Okay, keep going. So... Superior Court Judge Susan E. McGrill, I'm mm -hmm. going to assume is how you say her name, 
She was the, she's the former state prosecutor who agreed to the plea bargain. Slapper. She said that the news of Michael's pending release was shocking. She told a local newspaper that certainly there would not have been any anticipation of him getting out in 28 years, which I mean, 28 to 40, that's only 12 years. It's 40 still not enough. No. But 28 is much less. Mm -hmm. And I guess that would have been his original coming up for parole date. So why the hell were they going to let him out early? We're getting there. So she said the killer who has served nearly all of his sentence at that's not what she said. No. She didn't okay. say that. <laughs> so Michael served almost all of his sentence in Massachusetts because they were scared for his safety in Rhode okay. Island. So they had moved him to Massachusetts and um, police were preparing for the possibility of him getting out and the public enraging it. Right. Of course. Starting yeah. like a riot and trying yeah. to kill him. Right. So the... Kingstown Police Department put out a statement saying, we don't know what his plans are or if he is planning on coming back here, but it is definitely something we plan on discussing. And that was in March of 2011. Now, Rhode Island prosecutors and prison officials used... This is also kind of confusing for me. Okay. So his journal was sealed. Right. So that it could not be used in trial. Right. But prosecutors and prison officials used his journal mm -hmm. to make the case that he would be involuntary, that he should be involuntary, involuntarily committed if he is granted early release. Okay, so here's what I think. I think this ties to my Craig Price case, that Craig Price law that was passed in 1994, where they said that a judge could use somebody's prior criminal acts okay. in a psychological thing. So this might be why. So we inadvertently connected our cases. We rock, and baby. Yeah. That's awesome. But so, I, I'll bet you anything that there's a connection there. That's, that's fucking cool. Yeah. So the South Kingstown Police Department handed over Michael's private journal pages to the Rhode Island Department of Corrections as part of the effort to keep him in jail locked or up. locked up, mm -hmm. not in jail, but right. locked up. Right. So two court ordered psychiatrists would read the journal mm -hmm. in its entirety, conduct face-to-face -face interviews and review Michael's prison records before making their independent recommendations. See, and that's why Craig Price would not cooperate when they were trying to do these evaluations because he knew they were going to try to use that to lock him up in a psychiatric hospital uh -huh. for the rest of his life if they couldn't keep him in prison. Yes. So they, both of these psychiatrists independently co concluded that he did meet the requirements and they started preparing to submit a petition Good. To, for involuntary uh, commitment. Nice. But. Oh no. Before. In the state of Rhode Island, at least in the state of Rhode Island, I don't know about other states. I didn't look mm -hmm. it up much there. But before anybody can be involuntarily committed into a psychiatric ward, they must be given the chance to voluntarily commit themselves into a psychiatric ward. Okay. Okay. So before they can do an involuntary commit, they have to tell their prisoner, this is what we plan on doing. And they can decide, yeah, I'll either do it myself or I'll let you continue mm -hmm. what you're doing. So September 11th, 2011, 
Michael was released from prison <sighs> after having served 28 years of his 40-year sentence. Would you like to know why? Are you ready to know why? Good behavior. So, there is a good time law See, in and Rhode that, Island. That also influenced my case. Oh, this is so infuriating. There's a good time law in Rhode Island. Actually, almost all states have this yes, law. Yes, they do. But every each state is different. Mm -hmm. They all have different criteria right. and stuff like that. And so, how it's figured and all yes. that. Because when Craig Price was shipped to Florida, there was some controversy because he had some you know good time stuff on the books and they're like well when he was shipped to florida that should have been that should have disappeared mm -hmm. because of the reason well the, and the reason why he was shipped to florida yeah. should and it never and it wasn't done so mm -hmm. yeah there was a whole brouhaha about that i didn't go into but so in rhode island it has now since been altered and we'll talk about that a little later good. too it at the time allowed a prisoner to earn as much as 10 days off his sentence every month. Every month? Every month, which is how he was able, in the 28 years that he was locked up, was able to knock off 12 years off of his sentence. That is disgusting. For this kind of a crime. Yes. So, we'll talk more about the way that things have changed since then. But, he did voluntarily commit himself into the psychiatric ward of the state-run Eleanor Slater Hospital in Cranston, Rhode Island. So he technically technically got released from prison, but he got immediately put into the psychiatric okay. ward. Now, a lot of people's issue with it being a voluntary a voluntary commit is it what if he the, wants to leave? Exactly. It gives them a lot more power over leaving. Not exactly. Okay. So... Bruce Tedesco mm -hmm. is the state's assistant mental health advocate. And he explains the difference between voluntary and involuntary commits. So an involuntary commitment orders expire by its own terms every six months and a new petition has to be filed every six months. So that means that if he is involuntarily committed every six months, he will have a new they have to reevaluate him and see if he is still yes eligible. every six okay. months. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yes, which also means that there is a new hearing in court right. for it every six months. And that's expensive. Yes, so that it's court, a lawyer, often a mental health advocate, um, and they could argue between whether or not he still meets the requirements to be held. Okay. And if it's involuntary? That was involuntary. Oh, oh, I mean, if it's voluntary? So if it's voluntary, a patient is there because it's where he needs to be and where he wants to be. And Bruce says that this is much healthier for the person, which in this case, I don't give a Care. fuck how exactly. healthy he is. Right. But in general, I get it. Yeah, right, right. Which is why they give them the option. But a lot of the fear was that Michael could just check himself out at any time he mm -hmm. wanted. But that's not the case. If someone is voluntarily receiving treatment in a psychiatric facility, they can, at any time, file an intent to leave form. But they will not be able to discharge themselves without um, a doctor from the facility signing off on it. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yes. So it's not like that. Because, like, I mean, I know in Idaho, for instance, I well, we have no psych hospitals to speak of. But, um, like, just a regular hospital, you just get up and walk out. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing to it, so. Mm -hmm. 
So it was in this case, it is good because and I can't. I didn't mean when I said we have no we have psych hospitals, but I don't know what the rules are. So. Yeah. So also under the mental health law, if someone comes in voluntarily and the patient wants to revoke that. They can hold them against their will until the next date of a mental court court hearing. Awesome. So they even if they're they don't want to do it, they're like, cool, go to court, and you're gonna they're gonna so tell you you have to stay. It sounds like Rhode Island's laws are a lot stricter than most other states that I'm aware of, which so, is good. Yeah, I'm all so, for this case. Yeah. yeah. So as far as we know, that is our last known place of him is in this psychiatric ward in Cranston. And that's where he needs to Rhode stay. Island. And if he gets out, he needs to go back to prison. Yeah. Period. So I did look up, which I'm pretty excited. This is probably like the part that I'm most excited about, which is strange because it's less on the true crime side, more on like the law side. I looked up the good time laws for every state in the U.S. Oh my gosh. And... You would be so surprised at some of these. Oh, I'm sure. So, first of all, Hawaii has got to go in. They do not have a good time law at all. Okay. They are also not the only one. That's not... Yeah, Hawaii does not have a good time law at all. And like I said, you know, for some things, yeah, like drug offenses, which we've already talked about. You shouldn't mm -hmm. be in prison anyway. Yeah. But, you know, if you are, and, you know, there are some things that... I'm deaf. I'm all for that. Like mm -hmm. things that you you can show you're sorry for, and you can quote unquote reform and do better and be better and all those sorts of things. I'm a hundred percent fine with it. Things like this, where you are a serial killer or a child, you know, where you are a you have some sort of intimate connection with sadistic torture sexual those when those things are combined like they obviously were in this mm -hmm. freak show um and i'm not talking about people who are into bdsm that's a totally different thing i'm talking about this mm -hmm. where you you know there's murder there's you know all kind you know just flat out deviancy just yeah. off the rails off the charts no you don't get good time you're you're yeah. done so, for Hawaii, it does say that they have, it says requested development of earned time program, which means they don't and have never had a, timed, a good time program, but it looks like they are trying to. Oh, okay. And this was last updated in 2016, so it's a little dated, but not, a couple of years isn't that dated for law stuff. Okay. So... Um, Michigan, is it Michigan? Michigan and Minnesota both have no credit. Disciplinary time will be added to a person's prison sentence for misconduct and to be, con and also to be considered by the parole board for release. And Minnesota is another one that's no credit time added to the prison term for misconduct or non-participation in, uh, rehab programs. So they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go down to Rhode Island just because that is the state that we are working with today. So for good time, it's still up to 10 days per month for good behavior. Okay. But they also have five days per month of participation for any sort of rehab treatments or 30 days 
for completion. Okay. They also get two days per month for working in prison industries on top of good time. So they have to still be doing good behavior, quote unquote, and working to get these days. Okay. They get three days per month for performing heroic acts or for extraordinary and useful ideas which have been implemented for the benefit of the state resulting in substantial savings and or a higher degree of efficiency and performance on top of good behavior, but not in addition to the rehab of the time earned. Okay. There's just, and then for other things, they get five days per month for programs that address the inmates' personal needs. Okay. So notes on this is inmates, this is what's changed since Michael's okay. trial. Inmates serving time for murder, kidnapping a minor, sexual assault, or child, child molestation cannot earn Good. good time. And that should be, like I said, I think across the board. I'm totally fine with you that. You would be surprised. I spent a lot of time looking at every state, and you'd mm-hmm. be so surprised on some of the shit that they're allowed to Oh, do. I'm sure. But then again, a lot of them have cracked down to where it's like no more than the, a certain amount of days per mm-hmm. year or per month or... So I don't know what state this is. Right. I'll tell you in a well, second. Well, again, and part of the... I'm sorry, but part of this nonsense is because... We lock up so many people for so many stupid things. You know, the United States, we incarcerate more people than any other country in the world, mm-hmm. which is unfreaking believable to me, first yeah. of all. And so many of the things we lock them up for are so stupid, or the length of time we lock them up for is so incredibly stupid. But then, like I said, you hear cases like this. Do you know what I mean? Where he's out 28 years, or just recently, there's some other new freaking douchebag out there who raped a girl and during his sentencing the judge is all like well he comes from a good, good family, family. Yeah, has a that. promising future you know and pulls that bullshit again and thankfully the judge in that case was reprimanded and good. his dumbass attempt at pulling this shit was kiboshed right out of the yeah. gate but I you know I'm so done with that it's insanity. You know, it's one thing if you robbed a liquor store and you come from a good family and you have a promising future and we're going to work with you. Mm-hmm. When you commit acts like rape and, you know, things where you're harming other people in, in those ways, what the hell? Who cares? Yeah. So would you like to hear what Idaho's law is? <sighs> no, because I'm all worked up now. It's but... going to make you happy. Oh, okay, good. It's I figured. Not, it's not one that has no none okay. at all. But, but it's tough. It is. So it is all separated for the earned time in categories for good time, education, vocation, treatment, work, disaster, conservation. I don't know what that means. Uh, Oh, meritorious. So I think that's like where you do something really good. Other. And then there's the notes that give you like only can do this many or not to exceed this many days. Okay. So, for in Idaho, for good time, nothing. Education, nothing. Vocation, nothing. Wow. Treatment, nothing. See, you know, some of these, like I said, again, because I'm thinking, okay, so again, violent offenders, yeah, I'm fine with this. We have a lot of people in Idaho that this should apply to. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, work, nothing. 
disaster and conservation. Nothing. Because Idaho still wants to flex on all the marijuana stuff. Yeah. Now, the only category we have anything on is the meritorious. Okay. And that is up to 15 days per month for an extraordinary act of heroism at the risk of his own life. Wow. Or for outstanding service in the state of Idaho, which results in the saving of lives, prevention of destruction, of major property loss during a riot, or <laughs> prevent or the prevention of an escape from a correctional facility. Okay. So you turn in somebody and then you get shanked later on for your efforts. Yeah. That is the only okay. good time that Idaho gets. But I believe it's only the three, four states so far. South mm-hmm. Dakota also has no credits. And I believe it is just the four states. So Hawaii, Minnesota, Michigan, and South Dakota okay. are the only four states in the U.S. that do not have any sort of good time. No sort of earned credit, credit to get time. out early. Like I said, for certain things I'm fine with, others not so much. Yeah. But in our two cases... Keep them locked up. Exactly. And Don't I, ever let them see the light of day again. So interesting how we a, we were able to like connect our cases without I know. knowing we that were doing crazy. this. That was crazy. I'm pretty excited about that. I am too. But. Synchronicity, baby. I know. Look at that. It's insane though. It is. It's crazy. So, and both of our cases are just got. And I said, and there's no freaking way he doesn't have more than two victims. There can't be. There's Mm-mm. no way that Mm-mm. he killed somebody and then went seven years before doing and anything ate them else. And did, like, and just how off the charts crazy that was. Mm-hmm. He still claims that the whole cannibalism thing never happened. Yeah, whatever. But I don't see why. Yeah, no. There's no way that from the way that Jason's sister Raven talked, mm-hmm. because that wasn't even all of what she said. That right. was just like the big tidbits yeah. and well there's no way you're writing a journal and everything in it's a lie exactly because who are you writing it for you know exactly I mean? and not only that but it's got to be descriptive enough to where especially with the cannibalism how would he have known any of that yeah you know what i mean it's not like that's just common knowledge because in reality let's say i decided to kill somebody and i'm like i want to eat them i would have no idea what the fuck i'm doing mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like how are you supposed to do it yeah and like do you cook them skin on or skin off and I'm, that got really gruesome and i'm so sorry but it's Oof. but you know what i mean like these are logical questions that i would have to ask myself if i was in that situation and i decided to do that which i would not mm-hmm. there are already certain animal products that i won't eat much less human Same. just for just for everybody's fair warning yeah. that like that's it's not a happening Mm-mm. it's just a hypothetical here but there's no way that it could have been that descriptive to where they had to seal the right. documents mm-hmm. and it not and it couldn't have been true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just very strange. Yeah. I also want to apologize for everybody for these last two episodes of me sniffling the whole time. <laughs> That's okay. You're sick and and no. I probably sound like a dude. <laughs> That's okay. I have a deep voice. So. <laughs> but but it's, anyway, 
Ugh. Yeah. Well, again, tell us what you think. You like good time laws? Don't like them? Um... It's hard. Again, it's one of those things that it's a case-by-case -case basis. Yep. Because in these cases, we love them. Mm -hmm. But in another case, we're going to be like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck technicalities. <laughs> well, you know I, what I mean? Yes. And I mean, again, that's what's difficult about the legal system is you want rules that make us, you know what I mean, feel protected, feel like there's some sense of fair play or fairness, but at the same time, you want to have the flexibility of case by case, but then again, you get some of these freak show judges and the way our judiciary is chosen is also, you know, an, another thing to talk about another day, so... Hop on our Facebook discussion page. Let us know what you think. Email us at stateofcrimepodcast.gmail.com. Um, just let us know your thoughts. Send us your suggestions, please. Yes, yeah, we're getting there. So, like, if you know good good crimes that you'd like us to cover, I know Jenny has sent me some. Cause, have we done Montana yet? can't remember if we've done Montana, but she sent me some from Montana that... I think we might we might have to loop back around. But anyway, if you know a state, you got a good crime, Any just state, throw it to us do and it. we'll see what we can do. I would also like to add in here that we only have three more states until our halfway point. Woo woo. And no one really knows what we're doing for our halfway point except for us, but I'm really excited about it's it. It's a secret. I'm so excited. What state did you ask about? Montana. Did we do? I don't think we've done Montana yet. We Did have we? not. Okay, good. So, haha, Jenny, we'll do your case. So, anyway, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. If you're listening on an Apple product, make sure you go on an Apple podcast and rate and review us, please. Yes. I keep yes. forgetting to say that, and yes. I feel like we need to. Yes. We... And Kyla, I was very, very careful not to kink shame, so. Yeah, you did. Lay off me. You do talk about BDSM a lot. I do. You do. Well, I've actually had a lot of friends. <laughs> I don't know if I should be disclosing this, I mean, but well, I've had a lot of friends that had different types of associations with it. Some very traditional. There's been some people I've known that I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I, I knew, feel like we're going to have to have a little chit chat. Well, I knew this. this one guy who liked to literally play games with women. Okay. I mean, but like games, like Scrabble, like chess okay. and th and he liked to lose to them but he wouldn't lose on purpose like you had to legitimately beat him but yeah, that was a thing for him yeah so whatever i feel like we're gonna need to have a conversation after this <laughs> because i'm so curious about a lot of things <laughs> so anyway thanks again for listening see you next time